to his daddy, wore him out. No kidding. His daddy said he, he was a good friend to him. He made a point that day. I'm going to make a point tonight. I'm going to talk about Daniel. We started off in the book of Daniel like this morning. I'm going to continue with something else. Daniel, would you find his spot? There's how many books in the Old Testament? 66 in all. How many in the Old Testament? 39. What's the 27th book? Daniel. Go to Daniel. Find chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to make a point or two tonight with you. I think you got a good story coming up. The book of Daniel. Everybody got it? It's in the Old Testament. I'll help you to find it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There's the first five. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. There it is. Did I let? Sorry. It's a good thing you guys are listening. Lamentations. What does lamentations mean, by the way, since you To lament means things are going wrong. Yeah, not real good. You got the book of Daniel? Good. The book of Daniel. Let's see what pops up right here to remind you about the book of Daniel. Chapter 1 is what we're looking at. Tonight we're going to learn about a young man named Daniel. You say, I know all about him. I'm going to tell you some things you might not know. Book of Daniel. We're going to see him taken from his home, forced to go to another place to live, learn everything new, even had his name changed, and yet all that happened and he still stayed faithful to who he was. He was a believer and to his God. He never changed. Daniel. Let's be a Daniel. Like, dare to be a Daniel. Read with me chapter 1. Just in the first couple of verses. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That means he ransacked it, took it over. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Anybody want to guess what would the articles from the temple of God mean? What do you all observe probably about once a month at your church, every six months? What do you, what do you, what do you observe, maybe? Communion. He just now stole the articles, I believe that, but it was going to be later goblets. So they took the gold cup or the chalice and stuff. They stole those things. That didn't suit too well. These guys just didn't have any respect or anything. Steal the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. And then the king ordered Asmanaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Stop right there. So he has went and stole some things, including people. What do you call it when he steals people? That's kidnapping. So this is a man named Robert Louis Stevenson. If you didn't recognize him, he's born in Edinburgh, Scotland. He wrote this famous book called Kidnap. Yeah, it could fit right in with Daniel. Daniel was kidnapped, taken home. Matter of fact, three books Robert Louis Stevenson wrote could all be Daniel's story. This man died at the young age of 44 on a small island in the Pacific. He was adventurous. He wrote books that sort of like I think he wanted to live out, and some people say he did live that out. So his character, often in the books that he wrote, were himself, he felt like. He wrote this great book called Kidnapped. Yeah, he wrote another one. If you've ever heard of this, maybe Treasure Island. Have you ever heard that one? How about this one? He even wrote this weird story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You say, wow, that's... What's Robert Louis Stevenson got to do with Daniel? Well, Daniel and his good friends were kidnapped, then taken to a distant land. It wasn't exactly a treasure island, but it was a distant land. And finally, to work for a very crazy king who went from sort of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because one day he would love him, next day he'd want to kill him. 
I mean, we learned that this morning. Shadrach, Meshach, and go. love you guys, great. I'm going to toss you in the fire tomorrow and kill you. Okay, great. You know, what mood are you in today? That's what this king was, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He was weird. So they were in a distant land. They've been kidnapped, and they're working for a crazy king. I think we got Robert Louis Stevenson could have done the, the story right beside this one. So they're kidnapped, and they take in. Taken into the Babylonian act, captivity. What's next? The book of Daniel says this. It reminds you that we are living proof of what God's going to do in us. I would not want to be in Daniel's shoes, but he had a lot to go through. Some of you, I have no idea who you are, but some of you probably go through more than other people do. Some people have to put up with things. I got uh, friends that used to live in Canada. They now lose to live, uh, moved to California. They're the same age. Uh, they got kids same age as Andy when my son was born. Andy's just bouncing all the wall. He's good. He's cool. He's about three years old. The doctor notices a little, uh, looks like a little spot right there behind the eye, and it's starting to grow. So Andy needs glasses for too long. He started wearing them at three. Anybody wear glasses? Yeah, welcome to my son's world. He's had them for three. He's 31 now. Wow, so your son wore glasses all along? But my friends in Canada who moved to California, they had sons. They had a tw set of twins, same age as Andy. They didn't wear glasses. They were born with a defect right there. They were crippled. We went up to see them in Canada one time. Those kids would just laugh. They just drag themselves up the stairs. And there's a little streak of me like, doesn't that bother? Doesn't bother them. They had adapted to it. So did they go through a lot? Sure. Did Andy have to, let me put my glasses on? We just sort of don't know that. Some of you guys probably put up with a lot. Now, Daniel had to put up with a lot. If I came in here and kidnapped you guys and said we're going to throw you in a truck and take you to Knoxville, I don't know, maybe some of that's where you live. It doesn't matter. Instead, let's take you to Oregon or take you someplace that you don't know about. Some of us would not make it to the truck because we would start getting mouthy and if a bunch of people come in here with hoods on, black hoods, all you can see is bitty little eyes, AK-47, says, get in the truck. I ain't going. You're right. You're not going anywhere. Okay, you're right here. You know, I would get from that to say, keep your mouth shut. We're, we're not going to get out of this. So they throw us in the truck and we're bound. Boy, it sure is a bouncy ride. Not anymore. I would get the idea, keep your mouth shut or we're never going to get to where we're going. So I'm not going to gripe. I'm not going to fuss. They get out and if somebody ooh, slaps me in the face, oh, wow. I want you to change clothes. Let's, let's say you hate a rival place if you, if you love your high school. I'm never going to wear green and gold. That's the enemy. I'm going to put green and gold on you right here and make you wear it. So I'm going to change your clothes. I'm going to change the way you want to go to school in Jerusalem. No, go to school in Babylon. I'm going to make you do something totally different. I'm even going to, I don't like, what's your name? We're going to call you Lucifer instead, okay? Let's just trade that name in. And it's like, wait a minute. Right there might have been his drawing point. Nobody's going to call me Satan. You're right. Nobody anymore because you're dead. Anybody else want to, I don't mind a name change. Call me whatever you want to. Because, see, I have not yet crossed a line with him. I haven't really made him, nope. Can't do that. I haven't made him get to that point yet. So in other words, what I've made you do is just be inconvenienced. I have not made you denounce your faith. I have not made you say, say you hate Jesus. Can't do that. So see, these boys are going to be pushed to the limit. Here we go. You can live for God daily. Here's living proof. This man's going to prove it. I'm going to be just like Daniel, hopefully. You're going to be just like Daniel. But this is an old Bible story. You might as well just bring it up to today's time, 2014 in June, and it works. Here's some titles I could do. What to do when you're kidnapped. I don't know if that title works too well. Robert Louis Stevenson. Or how about this one? Learning to live in a strange land. Could be, but nah. 
last one, or relying on God to survive daily. That was Daniel's plea. He's like, probably told his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we got to play it cool right here. We got to, don't push anything out. Let's go along with them. We're going to pick and choose when we have to speak up. Okay, let's pick the last one. Relying on God to survive daily. Here it is. What else are you going to get from that daily? Well, let me give you a verse out of Matthew 6.11. If you say, how can I get by just daily? Because Matthew 6.11 says, give us today our daily bread. That's part of the what? Lord's Prayer. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. These are hand-picked men who are the disciples of Jesus himself. And they basically said, would you teach us to pray? Sure. So don't feel bad if you say, I don't even know what to do. Disciples didn't either. Give us our daily bread. Lord, just help us to go from one day to the next. When they gave manna in the Old Testament, it's enough for the day. We'll sometimes worry about way down the line. I don't want to do that. So God, help me daily. So I think Daniel got up every day, had his quiet time, prayed a little bit, and like, Lord, I don't even worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about yesterday. I don't think he got homesick and looked out the window and go, boy, I wish I was back in Jerusalem. Maybe he did a little bit, but he just didn't say much because he knew God's got a plan, and I'm going to try to stick at it. He didn't fuss and complain. Give us today our daily bread. So he's going to rely on God daily. What else? Let's go through his ordeal here. I like this. I don't know if you can memorize it or do shorthand or put it down. When I have to encounter something or somebody says something to me, I've got to really be careful how I react to them because, see, I'm a Christian. We're not accountable for someone else's actions, but we are accountable for our reactions to what people do to us. So with that in mind, I've got to really watch how I react. How do you react? Do you react as a Christian most of the time? Do you do this? Or do you do this? Which one do you react? I taught at a Christian school for 10 years. We were playing a team one day, baseball. One of my players playing second base. He got to throw this guy ground in, about tried to cleat him on purpose, got up and cussed him out. So what does my second baseman do in return? Y'all want to guess? Which one of those two did he do? That's exactly right. He cussed him. He walked off the field and I go, Bob, what's the deal right here? Well, he cussed me. Wait, way to do that. I thought we were supposed to be, why don't we just race Christian off the side of the bus when we go home then? I thought we were different. Well, he cussed me, so you cuss him back. Okay. Wouldn't it be better if you didn't do that? Of course, it's easier if I'm standing up here and I'm trying to pull you up and you're pulling me down. Who's going to win? Go out to the pool next time you're there. Get in the water and somebody stand on the side. They try to pull you out or you pull them in. You know who's going to win, don't you? Yeah, I, it's a whole lot easier to pull me down than me to pull you up. So if you're going to hang around a lot of people, they're going to pull you down after a while. I doubt if you're going to be. I'm on my team of 15 players, but I never cuss. Okay, if you don't, I'm proud of you, but it's going to be tough. And my player just gave into that. And I said, be different. Daniel, he would have reacted like a saved person. Last thing on this slide. James says, but I don't like that anyway. I don't like trials. I don't like to be made stronger in the faith. Well, read what James says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, fellow believers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So in other words, be glad when something tough comes your way. Why not? Can I tell you what? Something came our way the other day. See, I'll just share this with you. I don't tell everybody. I'm a church planner. We have now got a building on Williamson Road in Roanoke, very busy road. The building beside us is a bar. It's okay. Second alarm bar. I've got to know that guy. Uh, I talked to him. We pray for his son. His son's got cancer. So I, I have now, I feel like I'm a minister to him. I like that. 
The other building beside us is vacant. Somebody rented out this past weekend just to have like a party there. It got a little bit out of hand. People are drinking, you know, and all this stuff. And I had words with the, the next day, had words with the person who was renting out, and they didn't really like that. Bottom line, they just about, you know, said some things. So now it's my time to react. I didn't want to react like them because, remember, I'm the Christian. So I never said much back. Now, some people say, boy, you better just lash it out, dish it out to them. Nope, can't do that. Next day, her husband comes back and almost apologizes and really says, I don't know what my wife, can we just start again? Now, do you think we would have got to that point if I would have reacted bad? So I, I deal with it every day. I have people that say stuff that mm, if I react this way, I'm going to probably lose them. If somebody says, I don't want to hear about your Jesus, I'm sorry you feel that way. But if you ever need a friend, I'll listen. Oh, right. Later, sometimes they will come back and say, you know, I am sort of, would you talk to me? Sure. Well, Daniel's sort of like that right here. Now, if you only got about, you know, this much paper right there, if some of you are taking notes, I got about five points for you. It's going to be sort of short, uh, I think. But let's go to Daniel. Everybody got the idea how to react now? Can I give you something about Daniel? Chapter 1, if you've got this scripture in front of you, please read with me. We read the first few verses. Here we go. Daniel chapter 1, and it says, um, we're going to back this up with a little bit of, i got some notes up here for you. In the third year, Daniel is kidnapped. He's taken from where to where? He's taken from Jerusalem to what? Babylon. Long ways. He finally arrives there, and the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for inner every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in a king's palace. I might have lost some of you right there because you say, well, you, in all honesty, if you could speak to me one-on-one -on -one right now, you'd say, well, I don't know if I'm good-looking, no physical defects, handsome, I don't know if i got a great aptitude. And I said, no, I think you're losing the point of the message. These guys were the cream of the crop, but I'm just saying Christ can use you no matter what, but these guys were really the top-notch. Just, just take it as this. They were the upper elite class. That's why they were kidnapped. So they stole them away from their homeland. Here's what they wanted him to do. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them the daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for how long? Three years. They're going to college in Babylon. Well, I thought college lasted four years. These guys are smart. We want a crash course. We're going to teach you for three years. You're going to graduate from Babylonian University, and you're going to come to work for me, and you're going to run this kingdom because you guys are great. Can y'all read anything into that to begin with? Why did he have to kidnap these guys? They're the best. You know what? If I'd have lived there, I'd almost felt a little bit bad. <laughs> Why don't you use us? Okay, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, let's go. The boys come in. They stand on the line. They're dressed different. Maybe pink trousers, black bow tie. I don't know. They're just probably dressed a little bit different than they like. They probably look at each other like, ooh. And he just makes them awkward, uncomfortable a little bit. Welcome to your new home. He's probably talking to a group this size, maybe larger. And the king says, welcome to your new home for the next three years. As a matter of fact, maybe for the next 30 years. <laughs> and he laughs and he's going, oh yeah. You know, the people beside him just laugh, not even caring what he's saying. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to learn our language. You're going to speak like us, talk like us, walk like us. You're just going to do everything. Welcome to your new life. What have you got to say to that? Yes, sir. Good answer. 
you're dismissed. Uh, they probably turn and walk out of there really being aggravated. But they're not going to say anything because, again, no one has said, deny God. No one, they've just made him a little bit inconvenienced. So check this out. Relying on God to survive daily. Are you kidnap worthy? Now, this convicts me. Are you kidnap worthy? And what do I mean by are you kidnap worthy? I'm going to put all five things up so you can see them so it won't be any springboard. But I'm going to ask that God just work on all of us, not just you, me too. First of all, are you kidnap worthy? Here's number two. Are you uh, or do you get aggravated very easily? Number three, do you wisely, patiently pick your battles? Number four, do you have a I won't do that predetermined preset line that you will not cross no matter what? And finally, number five, do you really, really, really believe that God will work things out in? Romans 8, what? You guys are good at the Bible there. Romans 8, what? All things work to the good. What's that verse? Yeah. 8.28, all things work to the good of those of them who are called according to purpose. You know, we're it. God's going to work things out. Look at these five things right here. Here's Daniel's story tonight. So, welcome to chapel. Uh, would you pray with me a second? Dear Jesus, tonight as we look at these five things, it's a short message. It's some things just to drive home. But Lord, we're going to be Daniel. Some people came in a, a certain way. I pray that they'd leave changed. I pray that they'd be more like Daniel. May we dare each other to be a Daniel. May we watch the things that Daniel did and copy him because we would do well to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my challenge for you tonight. By the time you leave, be like a Daniel. You ready? First one, are you kidnap worthy? Let me tell you what I mean by kidnap worthy. And I mean this in a polite way because I'm going to include myself with you. Would somebody even count you worthy to what? Be kidnapped. Now, I've got a... If Satan came in here right now, just for sake of illustration, and said, God says, okay, Satan, I'll let you pick a few of them out here. You ever been on a team? Sure. Picking that. Who do you pick on the other side? Who do you pick out of that group? You're captain, I'm captain. You know, we're sitting right here like this. Okay? Okay, you choose. We'll be playing. Kickball. Good. I want the girl who's in the wheelchair. Would you really do that honestly? Now, if you've got a kind heart and you want to make her feel special, sure, but would the world pick her? I want the boy with the crutches. No, he wouldn't. Who do they want to get? Yeah, I want the 6'3", 290, look like, yeah, middle linebacker for the Colts. I want you my kickball team. Come on. And you. I played college basketball a couple years. Don't tell anybody. In high school, I was the last one picked in PE a couple times. See, I changed. I got a little bit better as I went older, but I can remember that. Last one picked. How's that make you feel? Thanks. Let's see. Protozoi, you. I'm trying to decide. <laughs> Thanks. I'm worthless, aren't I? That's the way. But what if Satan came in here and said, let me see. Do I get to pick a few? God says, for my sake of illustration here. Go ahead and pick a few. He goes, I've, I've got to get him. He shares his faith. He prays for he eats at school. I've got to get her. She's actually witnessing to her grandparents right now. They're old. I don't know if they're saved, and she goes to the hospital. He mows his neighbor's yard, who's 95. Got to get him out of here. I believe you can have the rest of them, God. What if you weren't picked? How would that make you feel? Satan says, I don't know. Don't you need Harold over here? Harold, I got him in my back pocket now. He's no threat to me. 
Here's my point of when, I, when we planted LifePoint Church. Somebody said this in the class one time at Liberty and it sort of stuck with me a little bit. They said, if your church doors closed tomorrow, would, even, would someone even what? No. Yeah. Would they notice it? Our church is closed. Oh, really? How long? About four years ago? Hmm, you know. That would make me feel bad. Church being closed for a while. Johnny, did you heard about the news? School closed last week. Really? I stayed at home all week anyway. I didn't know it was closed. Johnny, check the news out occasionally. I would want to be picked by the devil. Why? Because I hope I'm causing him some harm. Daniel, they drove into Jerusalem. Get that guy, get him. Yeah, just get Shadrach, yeah, get those, put them on the truck. There, they're wreaking havoc. Come on. They stick them on the truck and they kidnap them. Are you kidnap worthy? What do I mean by that? Look at these verses. Now, we read the first few. Check out the next page. So here it is. Number one, look at verses three and four. Verses 3 and 4 says, And the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Look at the young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. These guys, if you're trying out for a team, they, lots of others got cut. These made the team. These are the Navy SEALs. These are the Army Rangers. This is a Green Beret. These guys made it. Some of them never made it on the truck back home. You know why? They didn't think there were any harm. Believe me, be. who cares? So what do you mean by kidnap worthy? This. I'll show you a picture. Let's let you be in this picture just for a second. Let's let you be the guy with the ball. Does the devil have to guard you? I'm just telling you what he... God speaks to me about this. When I read this story, I think, Lord, am, am I really being a threat to the devil? Am I really doing any good for you? Because I want to. Are you kidnap worthy? Number two. Are you... Or do you get aggravated very easily? Look at five, six, and seven down through here. Look what happened to them. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. If you don't like to read, you better now. Um, let me try to make it a little bit clearer to you. In World War II, the Germans hated a certain group of people. Who was that? The Jews. You could go into, just think about this. It'd be like going into a Jewish home and saying, I want you to memorize that off Hitler's, everything about him. I want you to love the Germans. I want you to know German literature. <clears throat> they would hate that. They're our enemy. They're not anymore. I want you to know all about the Germans. Jewish people, I want you to learn all about the Babylonians. Their literature, read their books, know everything about them, memorize this, you know how you do for a test, you're able to just spout it off like that, that's what he wants them to do. It would be hard to study for a class you hate. Some of you all do the same thing if you say, I love math, hallelujah. I don't, math to me, mental anguish to humans. That's what math is to me because I just hate it. You know, I'm not a big math person. Math and science, if you say I love it, I'm happy for you. I love English and history. So see, I'm the other way around. So if someone says, I want you to really love math. And by the way, what grades did I make in those? Probably lower because I didn't like the class. If you hate a class, can make an A in it. My hat's off to you. That's, that's really good. Because if you don't like something, usually it means that you're not going to do very well at it. These guys did well anyway. Straight A students. Phi Beta Kappa, everything that they did. These guys are wonderful. They studied different languages. The king assigned them a daily amount of food. They were to be trained for three years. And look at verse 6. This is a big thing. Finally, after all the other stuff, 
They've been probably thrown in the truck. They've been treated rough. They've been thrown in barracks. Here's an old wool blanket. Wow, thanks. Hotel Roanoke. And I just get stuff thrown at me. And then finally, oh, and another thing. I don't like your name. So here's what. But among these were the, from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, his name was Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar is close to Belshazzar, which is going to be the next claim, which is sort of close to Beelzebub, which is another name for the devil. So Daniel's getting the name of a false god. That would probably not slide with me either. Mm. We'll call you Lucifer. Your name will be Satan, angel of darkness. Let's just go around the room. <laughs> I hate these names. You what? Appreciate the new name. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Run out of bullets with you Jewish boys. Keep, you know, keep complaining. I'll kill all of you. Yes, sir. Call me whatever you like to. You got a new name. Look at these other guys. He gets the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, to Hananiah he called him Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Really, they've all been given names that sort of reminded you of their false gods. That was... You might as well take a Jewish boy and say, I'm going to call you Porky. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because first of all, I know you hate pigs and you look like you're a little bit putting some weight on. Thanks a lot. Call me fat and call me porky. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to call you. What are you going to call me? <laughs> yes, sir. That's what I'm going to call you. See you later and I'll go on back to the... These guys got rotten names. Number two. You get aggravated easily. If I'm a principal at your school or if I'm the athletic director and this is what you look like, I'm going to get you out of the game after a while because you're making us all look bad. If it's just a normal thing to get thrown out of a game, we've got to change that. You're really not doing me any good if you get thrown out. I used to tell my players that. One of them get a little mouthy. I'd pull him over to the side, set him down, and I said, listen, how many points have you scored? Six. How many points? I think I can get about 20 tonight. You're going to get, not get any more if you're thrown out of the game. You understand me? What was that polite way of saying? Keep your mouth shut. The official's not going to put up with you. You can't score if you're sitting over here thrown out of the game. This guy's just letting it rip right at him. Do you get aggravated real easily? What's it take to upset you? I think some people get upset at the things. Well, it's no big deal. Now, again, I didn't say you could never get upset, but some of these Jewish guys have probably got upset really easy. Number three. Do you wisely, patiently pick your battles? Daniel finally has to pick a battle and he says, you mm, can't do that. Now, y'all going to miss it. Don't go to sleep now. Y'all going to miss it. God will predispose people to you if you're in the right. Let me show you what I mean. The chief official gave him new names and he probably says, okay, everything's fine. You close, new language. Y'all get all the latest whatever. And now verse 8. He probably comes in and says, Daniel, I also want you to uh, eat the meat from the king's table. They know the fancy food. Maybe it's pork or whatever. I want you to eat that. I want you to drink the wine. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Can't do that. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor, see that, and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, listen, I'm afraid of my Lord the King who's assigned me, assigned your food and drink. If he sees you and you're not looking really good, he's going to fire me. Matter of fact, he's probably going to kill me. So are you sure about this? And Daniel says, let me ask you this. Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over him, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, listen, just give me a test. 
trash for 10 days. Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare us. And if we're wrong, we'll go ahead and eat that food. But if we're right, you'll just keep this diet. Is that okay with you? And he says, okay, don't let me down, Daniel. I mean, you're a good guy and all, but I don't have to kill you. I don't want you to have to kill me. Now, if you missed this in the story, what did Daniel finally say no to? Something that he thought would, well, look right there, defile him. He put up with all this other and never fussed at all, but then suddenly it's this. If I was his friend, Daniel, they're going to call us names. Let it go. They're going to make us wear pink tutus, and we're going to look like ballerinas with black bow ties. Let it go. They're going to make us march all night long with rocks and a pack of... Let it go. <laughs> Daniel, they've offered us wine and meat. <sighs> Got to stop. That you're going to draw a line on? This sounds good. Can't do it. Why? I don't want to defile this because it's a temple of God. I've got to say no to that. And yet he got away with it. So look at number four. Oh, number three is this one. Excuse me. Pick your battles. Not everything's worth flipping out over. That means don't get upset over something that's really not that big a deal. Remember Columbine? I mentioned that this morning. Why did those guys want to kill everybody? They were being picked on. You made fun of me. I'm going to kill you. Okay, sounds fair. No, it's not. You need some psychological testing if that's what's going on. You ever, you ever have uh, somebody talk to cars as they go by? Mm, don't raise your hand. I just thought that's sort of weird. Talking to inanimate objects there, lawnmower. <laughs> Come on, start. You're talking to an object there. I just thought I'd tell you that. Car goes by. Remember what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're talking to someone going by, I don't know. And usually what? You see, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and habits become character. You let this go on long enough, you will soon be, there won't be a car that goes by that you don't cuss or throw up the wrong finger at after a while. Some drivers won't. Everybody gets on their nerves. Like they went crazy. What'd you have to do? Come in from school, throw the book bank, had to take a test. <gasps> you know, had to take a test at school? Wow. Wonder what they're thinking of now. I drive people every day, and when I give them a test, if they do something wrong, I fail them. Aren't I cruel? Right through a red light. Does that fail me? Yeah, that failed you. I wish I could do it back to you, but I don't. It's like, yes, yes, it fails you. You ran a red light. Did you see the pedestrian in the crosswalk? See what? That's what I mean. There was a pedestrian in the crosswalk. They jumped back to get out of your way. That fails you. You can't run over people or run through red lights. When they change that law, never. I've got to fail you. I think I'm one of the tough ones at our school. There's a, maybe a couple teachers that would let you slide with that. We'll try not to run anymore. Wow. Don't do that anymore. you got to quit killing people. Can you settle down a little bit? <laughs> Look at the Ten Commandments. We, we sort of joke at that, but really it wasn't a whole lot different. Moses, feedback from the mic. Attention, no more killing. No more adultery. No more lying. No more stealing. You can't use God's name in vain anymore like something. Oh, great, he's taking all the fun out of this road trip. Look at the can't kill, can't steal, can't. Number four, 
Do you have, and this is where I'll really challenge you, do you have a line that you won't cross? Daniel had one. Do you have a I can't do that predetermined line that you will absolutely will not cross no matter what? Look at verse 8. He says, about the food you want me to eat. Can't do that. Maybe even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sitting close by when Daniel told the I'm sorry, I appreciate you that that offer, but I'm going to have to say no. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looks back. This maybe could kill us. Daniel, can we talk to you just a minute? Thanks. Daniel, what are you doing? This could kill us. We've got to stop this or it'll get worse. How come you didn't stop it? Because up until now, no need to fuss. In other words, I'm not going to gripe at inconveniences. So if I check into a hotel and I really want to go to some conference somewhere and they say, I'm sorry, but the air conditioning doesn't work in your room. I'm going back to Roanoke. No, I'm not. It's going to be a little bit warm, but I can deal with that. And I'm sorry, the commode goes, drip, drip, drip. I'll just close the bathroom door and put my pillow over my. And by the way, uh, we're going to, I know the carpet had to be clean. Sort of smells. Yeah, I noticed that too. Did, did the dog live in here before I checked into the room? But anyway, okay. So after a while, they just keep telling me things. What would finally, oh, by the way, Mr. Moser, we want to tell you a couple last two things. We, can't, we don't have a door on the room. You're going to be open to the public. And it's a drunk that just wanders around, and we were wondering if he could sleep in here with you somewhere. <laughs> Stop. I'm getting in the car right here. Well, golly. So we got two extremes. Some people won't put up with anything. Any inconvenience, they'll start griping. Maybe that, that's you. We gripe at the least little thing. And yet you got other people over here, they don't have any stopping point. They will do anything. I love Daniel. I, what a great example. Right here it is. Here's what Daniel does. So Daniel's sitting in a car. Pretend with me. He's sitting in a car. He's not driving. He's got two friends. Daniel's in the back. Didn't really want to go, but I guess I can hang with my friends and get in the back. We're driving. Could you slow down just a little bit? <laughs> Trees are going by. You're, you, you might kill us. Right, be quiet, Daniel. Okay, I'm going to put up. That's one thing I'm putting up with. He's speeding, and I don't like it. I'd probably drive. And Okay, Second thing, music goes loud. Did you turn that down? <laughs> and, you know, it's just rocking at a red light. Could you turn that? What? It's okay. Number three, so he's speeding. He's got the music cranked up. Uh, now we got the windows down. Could you turn on the air? No, Daniel, no, Daniel. We got the windows great. At least it helps me not sweat terribly. And so it's, we're okay, we're okay. And then somebody... Daniel, what is that? And the guy in the front seat goes like this, and Daniel goes, and he's got weed in his hand. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Daniel goes, how do you know that? You're looking at a guy who just about did that. I drove back from Radford University one day. I usually drove back myself. It was years ago. Usually have my own car, drive back with friends. Didn't have a ride that day, and I asked Billy Muncy. He graduated with four years older with my brother, Dennis. So I said, Billy, you think I can get a ride? Sure, come on. Billy looked a little bit different. He was about six years older than me, but he had joined the Army. Kickboxing guy in the Army, sort of tough. 
had longer hair, looked like the lead singer of the Doobie Brothers. But anyway, he was, uh, you know, still wore the Army field jacket, even going to Radford. And I said, Billy, can I have a ride? Sure, hey, you know, Moser boy, I love you. You good guys. We like you, family. Great. Get into the car. MG Midget, get in. MG Midget, you know what kind of car I'm talking about? MG, you roll the window down, you can almost touch the ground while you're sitting inside. You don't want to go like Ow, asphalt. You know, it's like, mm. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to stick your Ow, mailbox. Ooh. It's just right on the ground. You can be, that's the stripes on the road we're feeling. Wow, it just felt every little thing. So I got into that, closed it. Billy starts up, yeah, all right. Opens up a glove box. Oh, he's getting a cassette. Back in there it was cassette. Sorry, I'm old. Okay, he's going to get a cassette. What do you do? Get some gum out. Anybody want a cert? You know, Billy got out and got weed and laid it right there. I'm thinking, okay, great. Proceeds to roll it and. Light it and we're. Can you hold it a second? Yeah, I'm going to hold it right here. Oh, don't throw that out! Well, then don't hand it to me. I thought you were cool. I am cool. We're still friends, but don't ever hand me this again. With the exception of that four seconds, weed has never touched my fingers. Boy, you're weird. I don't care. You know, your opinion really doesn't mean much if you compliment me for Jesus. You're a Christian. <laughs> That's supposed to be an insult. You don't smoke weed? No, I don't. You ever drink? Nope. Why? Don't need it. You're not cool. Okay. I'm not addicted either. So I about tossed Billy's fun for the day out the window. You ever think he ever handed me anything again? No. Somebody handed me a... What are you doing? Saving the aluminum. Got me a can say, you're no fun. Sorry. I just don't want to go along with him so easily. So this is a picture of Daniel. Well, it wasn't a cigarette, but it was food. Daniel, go like this. I just can't do that. I'm sorry. You take that back. So where's your stopping point? Is it a close one? Is it a long way away? I don't know. Daniel had a stopping point. Said, nope, that was a stopping point. Do you have an I can't do that predetermined line that you absolutely will not cross? By the way, I say predetermined because if you wait until you're in that, you'll step over it. Number five, do you believe that God will work things out in the end? I hope so. Um, hope that's your attitude. Say, God, I don't understand this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I just don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. Daniel had a great attitude. He was kidnapped. Everything changed in his life. He brought in, and rather than complain, he later, I'm sure he realized that after a while, he said, wait a minute. If we would have walked in the front door, they'd have killed us on sight. Instead, they've kidnapped us and brought us in, and we're practically running the place, and there's no harm to us. So we are now, it's almost like special ops going into Babylon, and they're running the place. Daniel rose to third in command for too long. Pretty good. So does it make sense in any of this story at all? Am I kidnap worthy? I hope God says, come on, hang in there for me. And the devil says, boy, you are doing a knock-down, drag-out job for God. I've got to work on you. So if God is blessing you and the devil seems like he's coming after you, good job. The devil's going to have to start guarding you. I like that. If somebody says, devil never bothers me, that'd be like saying, I'm on a basketball team and every time we play a game, no one ever guards me. Wonder why. Maybe it's because you throw the ball up into the crowd when you get it, you know. We don't have to guard you. You're no threat. The devil never has to bother people that aren't doing anything. Do I get aggravated very easily? Just let it go. Man, if you ever get aggravated and you want to ever be a teacher, 
change professions right now, just so I'll tell you that. If little things annoy you, stop it. You know, you just got to be patient. Wisely, patiently pick your battles. Don't fight about every little thing. I mean, apply that when you're home next time you go back to the house. Mom, golly, how can you do this? You didn't put a dryer sheet in there. You know, you fuss at mom for three hours. off. Dryer sheet ruins a whole family evening. It's like, ooh. And number four, man, if that doesn't hit teens, I don't know. Do you have a predetermined line? By the way, guys, I picked on you just a minute ago. You know, somebody would hand it. What if, uh, what if you girls went out on a date and the guy says, I like him, great. Go out, good. Movie, great. You actually pull over. Did I show you this spot? I believe we're parking. Yeah, I just want to show you this. And then he puts his hand somewhere where they don't belong. Your predetermined line goes, you can move your hand. I'm going to break it off and punch you in the face, okay? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking. You're right. You weren't thinking because your brain did. Now take me home. I don't have to take you home. Okay, I'll drive. And we drive on home. See, you had a predetermined line. Say, excuse me? I mean, if I'm standing in line like this in the elevator in the hospital, excuse me, you got your hand in my pocket. Oh, I was just stealing something. <laughs> See, you, you can't do that. Oh, is this your wallet? Yeah, yeah. Are these your teeth? You know, it's like... Stop it. Your mom says it this way. I have had enough. You make that noise one more time. You mean this noise? <laughs> yeah, don't drive me crazy anymore. You know what I'm talking about. You better have an I can't do predetermined line. Nope. Daniel did. Do you believe God will work? Well, let's find out. In other words, do you really trust God? Here's what he did in verses 15 through 20 if you don't think God has it all in. Yeah, this is cool. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier than the other people, better nourished. So the guard took away their choice food and wine that they were to drink, gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge, understanding, kinds of, all kinds of literature, learning. Daniel could understand visions, dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with him, and look at this. He found none equal to him. Yeah, God's got it all control. I've got you planted. Daniel, God, I was sort of scared, but you actually are in this. You had us kidnapped for a reason. Wow, sorry I ever fussed at all. Sorry I mumbled under my breath. We're cool. You ready? Yep. And watch what he does. Nobody's like him. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, he found nothing he found nobody like him. He found them ten times better than the magicians and chanters. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus, who's coming up in chapter 10. Okay, when I think of Daniel, I think of this. It's like a little kid jumping off and Daddy says, I got you. So Daniel's going to Babylon and God says, I got you. I don't know. Come on. Okay. And Daniel, is, the more he goes, it's like, you know what? I don't mind Babylon. He said, I was going to complain at first, but God is in this. Okay. I'll give you a couple things, and I'll tell you, I'll let you go. But can I show you this? All those things right there, they will, they will change your life. I'm just saying. Which one do you need to work on? Maybe you need to make yourself a little bit more kidnap-worthy. I don't know. Do some more things for God. All right. Daniel, living proof that it works. So here's going to be our new attitude. 
Let's really decide to show proof with our lives that God's in control and to stand that, Mom, you don't understand my dad. You don't understand my brother. God does. Let's just leave it to Him. Let's just trust God to know He's in control He can, and to stand when we need to. But be, but be still and trust God when things get difficult. Uh, I'll tell you this. I was reminded of a missionary, and I'll just tell you these couple things. His name was C.T. Studd. What a name, C.T. Studd. Yeah, middle linebacker. But let me tell you, he was an athlete. He's sort of like the Tim Tebow of, of Great Britain, only he didn't play football, he played cricket. Here is C.T. Studd. Charles was his name. Charles Thomas Studd. And what an example. You talk about living proof. Watch what this guy does. He again had that line like Daniel said. There's his when he's born, when he's dead, when he died. Let me show you something about C.T. Studd. He was a British cricketer and a missionary. He was a British cricketer first. Here's he and his brothers right here. He was the best athlete of the family. He went to Eton College, some no-name place in England. Yeah, Eton's pretty good. He graduated from there. It's almost like top honors. He later went on to Cambridge University, Trinity College, Cambridge, where he would have been more like an All-American. He established this thing called the Ashes Cup, which is really about like Wimbledon, only it's with cricket. So he had a great future in front of him. And instead, when he graduated from Cambridge, he decided to do this. He called this guy named Hudson Taylor, who's a missionary, and said, I want to do something for you. And six of my friends want to come with me. Now, Daniel only had three of his friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. I can't believe C.T. Studd said this. Six of my friends want to come with you, Hudson Taylor, and we want to go to China. So it's almost like not a joke, but they put on Chinese uniforms here when they graduated from Cambridge and said, look, we're ready to go to the mission field. You can make thousands of dollars being playing cricket. Don't want to. We want to go with you and be missionaries. What is wrong with you? Stop in line. I don't want to make money. How did he ever get to that? Well, when he was a little boy, he was sitting in a house, and a preacher came by and said, Do you believe the promises of God? And he said, Sure. Have you thanked him for those promises? He said he got on his knees that day and said a prayer, and he said that, that later he would recall. He said, I got saved that moment because I finally figured out the promise. I'll give you eternal life if you trust me. So he prayed and received Christ. One of his brothers started getting sick, and at that time he said, I haven't been living for God, but that brought me to the point I need to, don't I? And he decided to really just give it all up for God and go be a missionary. I like this. A few thoughts and quotes from him then. Some of these I just love. He said, I got down on my knees and I did say thank you and I got saved that day. As a high schooler, your age. He was graduating from high school about that time. Here's the next thing. After he got saved, his brother who got sick, right through there, he said, I was an unhappy, backslidden believer and I finally just said, I know that cricket would not last. Honor will not last. Nothing in this world will last but what was worthwhile living for the world to come. In other words, I've got to start being serious for God. I put my foot down and said, this is it. He became a missionary. And look at these last couple. Man, they're almost not comical. I just laugh because of like, what faith? Some want to live within the sound of a church bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. You think he's scared of the devil? You know what he would say to the devil? Bring it on! That's how he felt. He got stronger in his faith when he got older and he said, here's the ultimate quote. I love this one. Watch what he says. I pray that when I die, all of hell will rejoice that I'm no longer in the fight. I pray that I have made so uh, demons so angry at me so when I die, thank you. Well, I can't say thank you, God, because we're demons. You know, that wouldn't work, would it? We're so glad that C.T. Studd's dead because he was such a thorn in the side of us. Good. 
So C.T. Studd says, I want to make a difference. Now, do you think he was living proof? Do you think he was like Daniel that wanted to make a difference? I mean, he says, I pray that I'll make a huge difference. My challenge to you, make a difference for God. We don't have to be C.T. Studd, but man, I love that. Make a difference. Close your eyes. We're going to pray. Dear Jesus, tonight, I want to be a Daniel. I dare my friends that are listening to me to be Daniels. And Jesus, those five points are very simple, but I pray that they would stick with us. I pray that we'd determine right now in our heart to make ourselves kidnap worthy. If a devil could take us out, he would in a heartbeat. I pray that we're such a thorn in the flesh to him, like a CT stud. He was kidnap worthy. He wanted the devil to just be glad when he died. Lord Jesus, help us to be kidnap worthy. We should know the Bible. We should be worthy to be counted on by you. <coughs> and I pray, Lord, that we'd pick and choose our battles carefully. We're not to roll over in the faith and just act like nothing. Everything's cool. No, we've got to have a stopping point. But we just got to pick that carefully. Help us not to gripe or complain about every little thing, but yet put our foot down when it really matters. And Jesus, help us to remember that you've got a plan. We've got to trust you. These guys could have griped the whole time that they were kidnapped. It didn't seem right, but your plan, you wanted them kidnapped. So Jesus, when you put me through a trial, you must be doing something for me. You must be teaching something to me. So help me not to gripe and complain, but instead say, I trust you. You're going to work it out in the end. You certainly did with Daniel. We've got famous stories now of Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. We would have never had those stories if they had griped and complained. But instead, they changed the world. So Jesus, help us now to even stop, pause, think about what you're trying to change in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know what he's telling you to do. Uh, not sure. But I pray that you're learning.